love as my banner and shield is my most powerful source and weapon. And, you know, it just really is. And love, she's, she's fierce. She's not all roses and butterflies and chocolate. She's fierce. And um, just because I can find the loving road or I do lead a heart-led life or I am somebody who believes in, you know, being positive does not mean that I'm just going to sit down and take some foolishness. I'm not. You're listening to the MILF Podcast. This is the show where we talk about motherhood and sexuality with amazing women with fascinating stories to share on the joys of being a MILF. Now here's your host, the milfiest MILF I know, Jennifer Tracy. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is MILF Podcast, the show where we talk about motherhood, entrepreneurship, sexuality, and everything in between. I'm Jennifer Tracy, your host. And today on the show, we have such a treat for you. I can't wait to introduce today's guest, but I'm going to because I have a couple of um, business announcements. I shouldn't call them business announcements because automatically that sounds like, oh, that's no fun. Um, But they are fun. And yeah, a couple things. One is just to remind you guys, the charity for this month is Save the Children you can go to my website and learn about them uh, on my giving page. You can give that to them directly, or you can write an iTunes review for the show. And if you do so, I will donate $25 per iTunes review written in the month of May to save the children. Secondly, my writing course starts at the end of June, mid-June, I'm sorry. So um, sign up for that is on my website. If you want to sign up, I'd love to have you. Uh, it's a six-week online writing course. Everything I do is story. The podcast is stories, sharing women's stories, elevating women's voices. And so working with writers, I wanted to expand that. And so using the tool of the World Wide Web, I've been able to do that. So I can work with women. I mainly get women. I've worked with men as well, by the way. So if you're a man and you want to sign up for the course, please do. Don't be shy. Um, It's not women only, but the bulk of my clients are women. Because of the, the internet and being able to do this, I can... I can work with so many more writers and help them execute their stories. So that's been so much fun. I love it. Like, I love it. I love working with people in person, you know, and I want to, I want to do more of that and expand that as well, but I only have so much time and, um, this has just been really fun. So anyway, go to my website. You can sign up for that on milfpodcast.com or jennifertracy.com. And so today's guest is... Hayes Hawk Rosen. I met Hayes at the self-care project back in November. I just saw her from afar and I just was kind of like, oh my God, that woman is like really something special. And then at the end of the day, I just kept looking over at her. Like she's absolutely physically stunning, but it's so much more than that. Like just the energy around her being is magnetic, absolutely magnetic. And at the end of the day, I remember she was up on the stage kind of telling the sound guy like, oh, you know, I think I'm going to need this. And I kind of crossed paths with her and I said, I'm such a dork. She smiled at me and looked because she's extremely gracious and loving. And I said, I I don't know what you're about to do, but I'm really excited for it. (laughs) And then a couple months later, I contacted her and I just started hounding her about being on the show. And 
we kept kind of missing each other because she she's a doula and a midwife and a healer and she's has many many talents um and many many certifications and she was always like helping birth a baby helping a mom birth a baby and so she was you know kind of busy and so we kept missing each other and we scheduled, I think a couple times and that fell through. And one time she got kicked in the eye at a birth and she was like, I got kicked in the eye. I'm like, Oh my God. I just kept on. I think at one point I said, I'm gently stalking you or something like that. I want you to know that I'm gently, but very firmly stalking you to be on the show. And finally we got together and it was just magic. And um, I'm absolutely in love with Hayes. And I think you guys are going to be too. Hi, Hayes. Hello, darling. Thank you so much for oh being here. Oh my gosh, here. look at us. We actually made this we happen. We actually made this happen. What a it ride. Took, and no, because you talked to me. You asked me. November? November. Yeah. Like After early the, the November. self-care thing. Right. Yeah. Which was the first week of November. Yes, November. yes. And what I love too is that coming over here, I was racing from my son's school. You were racing from your daughter's school. <laughs> and this is this is it. This is the deal. This it's is like the work. <laughs> we just we fit things in as they go and reschedule and juggle. And that's just part of being a woman. I have been very politely stalking you <laughs> since <laughs> November. <laughs> Because I just adore you and I love your energy and I love everything that you, all the work that you're doing and everything that you're putting out there. It's just so beautiful. And so I wanted to learn more about you and your origin and how you came to be this version of yourself. So like, wow. I mean, you know, we can't possibly fit all of that in in an hour, but um, where did you grow up? Wow. <laughs> You're like, I need I need a minute. It's you know what, we're not gonna fit it all in, but we can do our best. We can do our best. Um, so I was born in the United States. I was born in Georgia. I'm a Georgia peach. Oh. Even though I don't have the accent, I am a Georgia peach. Yeah. Um, my mom and dad grew up in this very small town in uh, Alabama called Union Springs, which I really consider my home, even though I wasn't there the most, but that's the heart of my family. Mm. So that's that's home. Mm. I um, two months after I was born, we moved to Europe. My dad was in the Air Force. I I just have to take a moment to say because the origin of me is about my mom and dad, mm. two of the most courageous people ever on the planet. Because literally, this very small town had nothing but heart, determination, intelligence, and perseverance. The small town. It still has a no fast foods, no movie theaters, no malls, no, there's nothing. It's just people persevering through the ages, yeah. right? They grew up there and my dad had the courage enough to enlist in the Air Force and leave. And then he comes back and he asked my mom, who he knew he was going to marry, since he saw her when they first moved into the neighborhood She's seven. He's, I forget how old he is. He's like eight years older than her or something like that. He was like, wow. Mm. And he just decided he was going to wait mm. for her. And I was like, who does this? But his family became best friends with that family, the Hawkins and the Nance family. And he came back from being overseas and asked my mom to marry him. And she said, yes. Mm. 
And then they both leave after I'm born and go to Europe with wow. no idea. Like, and my mom, especially, she had been in Alabama wow. this whole time. So the courage that they, I think that's where my fearlessness of life is coming from. They're interested, they're curious, they were always befriending people. They had, they crossed cultures and genders and classes and they just were living their lives. Mm. And I think they imparted that to me. Mm. Um, so my origin is from those two amazing beings who were fearless and heartful and, you know, fun loving. Mm. Yeah. So, so that's where um, I began. I was raised in Europe, um, all over the place. And I think that's where my love of music, cultures, dance, all of that. I mean, I, my whole existence now, the friends who've known me the longest are amazed that I'm in birth work because I was a theater babe. I was classically trained in dance and theater, Martha Graham, ballet, Eric Hawkins, you know, wow. studied at Avenale Broadway Dance Center. I was at Strasburg in New York. So the whole journey to here is a pretty big one and it's a very windy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As it does, as it as it does. That is amazing. Isn't that so crazy? growing up all over Europe. So you moved from England to other parts of Europe? Yes. Um I've lived in let's see, Germany. Um, I've been to France, England, of course, uh, Turkey. Um, my dad was stationed in the Philippines, then back to Europe, and then all over the United States. I've lived in so many places in the United States, which I think has really fortified me. I mean, I love America. I see the faults and I see the growing pains, but it's a really great place. Mm -hmm. And I think I have the right to say that because I have traveled it. Yes. I've gone cross country from west to east, east to west, north to south, diagonally from, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, all the way to Florida from to Washington. I've done that. Yeah. And I can say that um, it's a pretty amazing place. We have lots of room to grow, but there's a lot to be proud of. Well, and you mentioned this earlier. I do feel like there's a lot of heart. Mm -hmm. There's just a lot of heart. There's a lot of heart. And um, yeah. Yeah. But I think that's also one of the things that um, <laughs> challenges people with me because I don't meet a regular demographic. I don't speak. You can't really place me in one category or not. You know, my, like I said, my mom and dad were born and raised in Alabama. So I grew up loving country music. But I also am bonkers for classical music. Yeah. I love a good raga from India. I am all over African pop. You know, yeah. every place I've ever lived or been, I've embraced. And um, I think that informs me, but it also informs how I be in the world mm. and who and how I, I relate to people, who I relate to and how I relate to them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, my sense of you immediately when I first laid eyes on you at the self-care project was you just felt so grounded to me in who you are and therefore very open 
to receiving whatever energies would flow in and out. But I also got the sense that you would not take any shit from anyone. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> I do not. That is all. That's a very good. <laughs> that's a big misconception about me. People, um, I get a lot of flack for being very positive. Like, oh, you're so Pollyanna, you're so positive. Mm. What's with this heart-led life and this, you know, love as your banner and shield? What does that mean? And I keep explaining to them that my positivity is born out of seeing the deepest crevices of humanity. Mm. Not necessarily that I've experienced them. I'm very fortunate that I had a beautiful upbringing. But once I left my parents' home, life was happening to me. Yeah. You know, in yeah. a big way. I've, and I haven't really spoken too much on a lot of things that I've gone through um, that is to come. But it's been it's been challenging. And I came to this place of understanding that love as my banner and shield is my most powerful source and weapon. And, mm. you know, it just really is. And love, she's she's fierce. She's not all roses and butterflies and chocolate. She's fierce. And um, just because I can find the loving road or I do lead a heart-led life or I am somebody who believes in, you know, being positive does not mean that I'm just going to sit down and take some foolishness. I'm yes. not. Yes. <laughs> well, if I see foolishness coming, I will deal with it. I, I deal with it and I deal with it in a loving way. Yes. Because most of the foolishness is coming from children. Yes. You yes. know, and and children, I don't care how old you are. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Just ignorance and uh, very easily to be loving to that type of energy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, are you holding a selenite wand in your I hand? Am. Okay. Tell me about this. Well, it's one of the most healing, clarifying gemstones that there is. And so whenever I'm in a birth, uh, holding a Reiki session for a client, doing life coaching, or like this, an interview where it's impacting human beings in a way that I want it to be as clear and as as uplifting as possible, high vibrancy, I hold these. I, I just keep it. it in my hand or I carry it in my pocket or it's in my scrubs or, yes. <laughs> you know, but always with me. I have several different ones. I, I love do that. love them. Yeah. yeah. I have, I'm, I have a small collection of crystals and um, I do have a selenite. Uh, it's not a wand. That's so beautiful Isn't and smooth. Beautiful? It's just a donut. Oh, it's gorgeous. Uh, but I have like a, it's like a tower. My son sometimes uses it to play with his Star Wars things. <laughs> it looks like it's a, perfect. It looks like a, you know, but I'll, sometimes I'll sleep with it under my pillow if I'm going through something really it hard. Works, it really it? works. It does work. It really it does work. It and I'm so grateful that I was actually um, facilitating a retreat with um, one of my amazing sister friends, Sonia Marie, uh, her Word Life Astrology retreat. And we were in Sedona. And that's where I, I found this beautiful piece. Mm. And I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I can feel it. It's like calm. It calmed me down when you just walked out with holding it. I knew what it was, but I was like, oh. Yeah. Mm. So good. So good. Babies love it too. Mm. You ever hold the baby who's a little upset? You just hold the wand in one hand and just rock them. They just calm down. So interesting. I wish I would have had that. Oh my gosh. I wish I would have had you when I had my son, but we'll get to that. Okay. So, um, you had this journey, this winding journey 
from theater babe to in dance and and performing and yeah and you still do you still you I just still had to do a drum uh circle or not a drum circle did. but it was i led a um ecstatic dance meditation drum circle with my lovely lovely sister i love her because i got Wallace. to see you got her. to yeah oh, she's diana is so gifted is she amazing she's magic yeah she really is she is the real she's deal she's not even playing yeah. with the people on yeah. this planet. <laughs> it's just not. Yeah. So it was a lovely adventure. And I get to do a lot of work with um, the Love Amp Project with Tony Moss and the Bird Tribe. You know, we do a lot of music and dance and I do a lot of videos with them and a lot of background vocals and or singing moments with them. And I, I'm very blessed that I still get to stay in the heart of me. Yeah. You know, that heart of me allowed me to get the aspects of the healing arts and how they play. So I still use all of those things. Mm. I still use dance. I still use theater. I still, I'm, I'm it's amazing mm. how it's still very much a part of my life, but it doesn't look the same yes. on a daily. Like yes. I used to be in dance classes every day. I used to right. be in theater classes every day, but now uh, it informs how I be with my clients and how I be in the world and how I interact with babies. Yes. Oh my gosh. You're speaking my language like so much <laughs> on so many levels because um, I work with writers. And oh. so that's, you were asking before, like, what else do I oh, do? And cool. so um, I am a writer. I've written a novel and a ton of other things, but the novel is the main focus right now. Okay. And, um, and I work with writers who are wanting to open that part of themselves and create something, whether it's a novel or a TV show oh, or a screenplay wow. or whatever. And, you know, my whole thing is that sometimes I think as a culture, we tend to think of creativity and, and placing importance on the arts as like, oh, well, that's for later or that's for hobby time or that's, you know, that's not important. And when in fact, it's like actually the most important thing because it's what connects us to one another and it's what heals us. And I mean, it's what your parents did. They were, their creativity allowed them to move and be open and experience all these different things. That's a creative choice. Exactly. And to open yourself to that is for me, you know, to open yourself to life experience. And there's nothing more rich than that. Exactly. And and what it does is it brings you it brings you those magic moments. One of the things I do remember about my mom and dad is the way they brought people together. Their parties were their creations, yes. were their babies. Yes. They were, you know, from the music to the food to the games that were played in the room, to my dad being the jokester and his laughter and his music, to my mom being the epitome of the hostess, um, created these warm moments that people still speak about to this day. And my mom's been gone since 2014, but the conversation about her, her parties, her work, who she be, is that, that like it's, it's magic moments like that, that are the most important thing. Yes. And that resonates and your children will carry that. Yes. You know, that yeah. is, so I, that is just, 
it's so deep and it's such a com- we could go off on that conversation <laughs> for so long but i love what you're saying and i i understand and i've also lived because i part of what you're saying my own version of it obviously but i went to film school i was an actress i came out an actress i studied dance for years i was a singer like and you know it was it, it never culminated in this you know full-time acting career because it wasn't supposed to. That's not my journey. And so now it's infused in every piece of what I do, including the podcast. And um, so, and I love it. And I feel so grateful every day that I get to. It's amazing. Connect the dots. Yeah. That's beautiful. What you're saying is beautiful. And I think that's one of the things that we forget as human beings, especially when we speak about birth and women and the choice to have children or not, we're giving birth all the time. We're birthing moments, experiences, books, like your book, podcast, right? Moments and dinner, fellowship. You know, we're always birthing something. And I think that that's the beauty of it. And the hardship is when you do those creative abortions. Mm-hmm. And the idea to do something doesn't ever happen or manifest. The idea to, oh, I could I could support that person. Because it's not always about you. But if you can support somebody in living their dream yeah. and that fulfills you, yes, then go ahead and create this. Let's do that. Yeah. You know, it's not always something that you want to generate yourself. Yes. But if you can participate in it and you still feel empowered and like you did something that mattered. Yeah. Get birth to it. Yes. Yes. You know? I love that you just called it creative abortions. Yeah. That's what. Because it really is. And it I is. think of all of the, I'll, I'll call them story babies because that's what they are, mm-hmm. that over the years I have, they've come to me through what I feel and what I believe everybody's different uh, um, is divine, mm-hmm. that it's not actually coming from me. I mean, it's like a culmination of me. I'm going to get really woo-woo. But a no. <laughs> culmination of me and whatever divine meets you at that needs moment. Needs to communicate that story. And But it will look like, to give you an example, me thinking about a character getting inspired with a character who's going through, you know, cancer or you know, the loss of uh, a child or whatever, whatever the story is, and it starts to marinate. And then I just get busy with life. I don't do this anymore, because now this is my life's work. But I used to just get busy with like, oh, I can't, I can't give that focus right now. But it would just be tugging and like a child, Mm -hmm. like mom, 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 I got it, I got it. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You know, and it's those things like I, I, I want to inspire and motivate and help people to say, you know what, I'm going to give this child a moment of my time (laughs) and I'm going to sit down and I'm just going to listen to it because I just feel like there's so much healing that comes personally and then globally from those things. Absolutely. You know, so I'm going off on a thing. I mean, not everything is an extraordinary moment. Right. We're not going to always have an East of Eden. We're yes. not going to always have a Pillars of the Earth yes. or a Beloved, yes. you know. But whatever your version of that is, is extraordinary. And we have to honor the ordinary and the extraordinary, yes. the magic of the ordinary every day. Yes. You know? Yes. Right? Hence these conversations. Exactly. Which it's just, for me, this is this is so important of like each, and I want each listener, and I hope that they're... I think they are because I'm getting a lot of feedback from women that this is helping them, but that every 
person on earth, their voice is important and so needed and and worthy equally, equally. Equally. I think once everyone understands that each voice, each story, each heartbeat makes up the fabric of the fa- of the family of the planet, that they will understand their worth. I mean, a lot of people are walking around here not feeling worthy, although we've already been born. The birthright is there. It's ours because it's so hard to be born. If you can realize that and realize that your voice, your heartbeat matters to the history of the planet, to the fabric of the interconnectedness into the humanity on the planet, then there's no way you could just second guess yourself or say, oh, that's not good enough or, oh, I'm not good enough or, well, maybe no one cares about it. It's not important. It's all important, mm-hmm. and it's as important as you make it. I want to speak to that very thing. So I just recently did a poll on my Instagram. I just mm. started doing these. It's very interesting. And one of the questions I asked was, what are you struggling with right now? Mm-hmm. And I mm. got back a lot of answers. Did you? And a couple different women had a similar answer, which was, I struggle with feeling like I'm not enough because I'm a stay-at-home parent. Which is the hardest job on the planet. You know, and it's it just killed me. It just killed me and because I just want to go, what's more worthy? And this is where, you know, I just wish we as a society, as a planet, as, as, a, as a human race could just somehow value that more externally than we do. I don't know what the answer is, but to, you know, you're raising a human being, you are you are I would ask you. Yeah. Was that poll done just in the states? Do you know if it went globally? Uh it was it was on Instagram, so but the the women Could that answered were, were in here. the states. Yeah. Cuz I was going to say that sounds very much located American. to America. Yeah. Um because uh, being a stay-at-home mom globally is not perceived that way. It's yeah. not perce- and the problem is here in America, we're voyeurs. We're, we want to see, we, we give credit to the things that we can see, not the things in the invisible. And stay-at-home parenting happens behind closed doors. Yes. Unless your child does something to glorify or to, you know, condemn your choices, which is ridiculous. Yeah. But um, it's something that's very much hidden, underappreciated. My mom stayed home. I actually remember... And I haven't thought about this in a minute. My mom was home until my sister was maybe 13. And then she started going back to work. She started off as a secretary. or no, a secretary assistant mm. um, at a college. And then by the time she retired, she was like president. Like, it was amazing. That's amazing. And so that's my story of women over 40 uh, yes. that's when they fly yes you're like you need to get older right now you're too young to, to yes. you know but when you get older then you'll fly and soar because that's what i saw my mom and my grandmother do she was a stay-at-home mom and i know what that took because she was valedictorian she was the center for her basketball team and the mvp like she was this yeah achiever person yeah. and she chose to stay home with us and have my dad soar and get his career. And he was a lifer and then he retired. And then he was like, okay, boom, your turn. Mm. And she did her thing and took off. But 
I remember the hard work. I remember what she would do. Living on a military base is not easy. Yeah. <laughs> at all. Making new friends each time, creating community each time. And I remember us going into one one base and it was a disaster. And it was two in the morning and she started cleaning. She just went, she just said, okay, I need the box that has the supplies. And my dad found it and she started cleaning. He started helping her and she sent us to bed when we woke up. It was spotless. Spotless <laughs> and set up. Like we didn't miss a beat. Stay-at-home moms are the biggest superheroes. Yeah, if you want something done, stay-at-home ask dads a stay-at-home. Yes. Are the, you know, yes. that's, yeah. Yes. It's not to be taken lightly. It is no joke, it's but no it joke. killed me that that's what... That's what they all said, and huh? They all said that. Well, there were some that were working moms that would that would say, and I feel there's... And we've talked about this in the show. Either you feel guilty that you're not home with your kids because you're working, mm-hmm. or you feel guilty that you're not working mm-hmm. and you're home with your kids. Mm-hmm. So there's no winning. There's no winning. And um, But the main thing was, and I've really experienced this myself is the the suffocation of time, feeling like there's no time. How do I fit it all in? How would I fit it in? And something I've been talking about a lot lately is we have these mixed messages of self-care is so important and take the time for self-care, but you got to grind and you got to you got to achieve and you <laughs> got to yeah. yeah, and it's like, "Well, wait, how the fuck am I supposed to do both of those things simultaneously?" And the answer is you can't. You cannot. It's about balance. Yeah. It's about balance. You can't do all of it. It's about choosing what's right for you in that moment. Sometimes for a mom, it's about a moment. You mean you're great if you can get a day. Yeah. Let me what's good for me today? Yeah. That's a luxury. Yes. Sometimes and most of the time it's about, okay, in this moment, what do I need? Yeah. In this moment, who do I need to be? In this moment. What is the best way to navigate this? It's about moments sometimes. It's not about days or weeks. You know, when you get to that point, you you've been in it for a minute, you're you got it together. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. But for a lot of women and, and stay-at-home dads, especially stay-at-home dads, because stay-at-home dads in America, that's not the norm, quote right. unquote. Right. You are being looked at yeah. sideways yeah. and crazy. But that also speaks to the conversation about men in America, them having to just push through and masculate everything and just, oh. you know, when we understand and get the truth that it's about the balance of the masculine and the feminine in males and females. And nowhere do we see this more played out as in the archetypes of the male and female, the mother, the father, the husband, the wife, yes. <laughs> the birth partner, you know, because yes. even, you know, even same-sex couples sometimes fall into this unbeknownst to them into the stereotype yeah. of the masculine feminine. Yeah. So it's really about walking in balance with both. And then all of that becomes ridiculousness. Yeah. You know, you don't fall into those stereotypes if you don't own them to a gender. Mm. No one has to be a mother to be nurturing, a female to be nurturing. I know some beautifully nurturing males and vice versa. Yeah. Right. So the whole idea that we put them in this place of non-importance, that we look at them as failures. Mm. You're talking about stay-at-home dads. Stay-at-home dads and stay-at-home moms. Yeah. Both. Yeah. 
you know, it's really ridiculous. I think it's a, it's like anything else. It's a choice. And if you choose it, it's positive. Yeah. And the beauty of all of this that we've got going on this life in America is we have the power of choice yeah. and we can always re-choose. Yes. If you choose it and it doesn't work for you, re-choose. Yes. You're not stuck. Yeah. From what I see, people benefit from that choice. It's a hard choice to make. It's yeah. not for the weak of heart yeah. at all. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about earlier, you, may, you said something about it's not easy to be born. It's not. So I want to hear, well, first of all, how did you get into birthing? And because we were talking about earlier, you had a post that was like, if someone asks me what I do, it's like, do you have two hours? Because <laughs> I, I do a lot. But as far as like title for you, is it? in that world of birthing? Is it doula midwife? Is it, what's, what is your official title? I usually say healer, birth coach, birth worker, ceremonialist. Mm. It pretty much encompasses everything. Okay. This year I will be finished with midwifery school. I've been <gasps> catching and doing everything um, for the last six years. But um, my journey into becoming a midwife has taken longer than most people's just because of family stuff. Because you're um, a mom. Well, I'm a mom. Uh, my mom and dad got ill at the same time. Uh, they were hospitalized at the same time. Then I kept going back to take care of them. Then my sister got cancer. Um, I went to take care of her. Um, my grandmother got sick. I went to take care of her and take her home for the last time to her birthplace. And then I went through a divorce. I mean, there was just, then my sister had heart failure. It was just like things mm. that stopped it. Yeah. I'm all right with that because I'm really good at it now because I've been in it so long. Yeah. You know, so I've got a little bit more of a um, confidence than I would if I, it only took me three years. Yes. To do the medical school portion. Yes. Um, I feel a little more confident. And I've got, I've garnered a lot more relationships. So I'm okay with that. Um, but yeah, I would say birth worker, coach, birth coach, healer, ceremonialist. Yeah. It's all ritual to me. It's all the healing arts to me. And it, that's how I was saying to you that it ties into dance and theater for me, because you know, there's nothing more engaging than dealing with the heart chakras across the, mm. the proscenium, you know, yeah. the the stage. You know, you're that that fourth wall is all about connecting with the energy in the audience and um, dancing too. And dancing, I felt like we were really working with the chakras of each, you know, person individually. The energy centers were opening, or we were actually making them move a little bit faster. Or, yeah, you know, it's all the healing arts um, from creating a perfect dinner party to creating a lovely meal that it's all ceremony it's all ritual it's all healing it's all birth so i think those those titles yeah. do the best to describe yeah. me i don't know how someone else would describe me that would be interesting to find out but some people just call me doula for all lump the, right. the whole lump sum right and i have to explain that doula is not medical yeah but some people just say i'm a life coach and that works too. Yeah. It's just, yeah. you know. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> just, yeah. So how did you get into this birthing business? 
This is the question my longtime friends from school, junior high and elementary school asked me because they, they're still amazed that I'm doing this. The birth of my son is what did it. My firstborn, my son, son, Jahi, um, I was due to come. He came a little early. My midwife had this woman with her. And she asked if she could be at my birth, you know, because we were a little early and no one was expecting it. And she said, well, would it be okay if I am here to support you? Would you mind that? I'm 26. I'm like, sure, no problem. Come on in the room. It'll be fine. And, um, you know, which is amazing, which is how I know it's spirit, because we know we do better in the room where you feel the most supported and the yes. safest with people that, you know, you know. Yes. <laughs> but you're like, yes, perfect stranger. I'm like, sure, come yeah. on in. Yeah. yeah, no problem. But literally an um, hour and a half in, I say, okay, what is this you're doing? Who? What? What is this? What are you? Who, what is this called? Because you're saving me. Mm. And she literally was bringing oxygen in the room. Like I felt... Like she made me feel like anything was possible. I could do, I could do it. And so I asked her, <laughs> I asked her, I said, so where did you learn how to do this? What is this called? And she said, I'm a doula. I said, okay, what's doula? And she's explaining to me. And I said, okay, so how did you do this? Where did you learn how to do this? And she said, well, you know what? How about if we talk about that later? Because you're <laughs> You were totally multitasking. I was, so, I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, no, 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 no. I really, I really want to know. I need what to did... do the research now. I need yeah. to do the research right now she while said, I'm dilating. She said, I'll tell you later. It's that okay. But literally, it kept pulling me. So I actually was writing things down in while you're giving no. Oh my in between gosh. my my really good friend and Dharma sister, Vita Vieira, was there with me. And she's like, you're nuts. You're crazy. <laughs> um, but I was asking, I was asking her details and I wanted to know what she did that got her to this point. Yeah. So I wrote down everything. And she said, honey, you can't, you're not going to be able to do this. You're going to have a baby. And I said, no, no, but when I'm done, <laughs> I'm going to do it. And literally when I, my son uh, weaned himself at three years old from nursing. That's when I began my journey. And I did pretty much everything that she had done. She had a background in massage therapy. I chose the one that worked for me and I got certified in that. Nutrition, herbology, um, homeopathy, life coaching, like everything that she did besides the doula program she did. Um, I did... Um, I did what was then called ALICE. The acronym was ALICE, A.L.A.C.E. Mm. Um, I think it's called something else now. I couldn't even tell you what it is. But I did that twice. And I did a program that was started by who a woman who is now my preceptor as a midwife, her and another midwife, um, Michelle Gerard and Tonya Brooks, they created this thing called ACHI. And I did that twice just because I felt like you needed more than like it was. I just felt like a weekend wasn't enough. Yeah. So I wanted, I wanted to be like her. Yeah. And she was seasoned 
And I wanted to do it that way yeah. <laughs> because she was like the auntie in the room that everyone called, uh, you know, Madam Zanowski or yeah. Madam Maya or Madam Zay, yeah. whatever, that she had that other wisdom as yeah. well as the traditional medical things. Yeah. So I wanted that. And then that led me into, um, I began as a postpartum doula. Because very early on in the 90s, I felt like that was the missing piece. Yes. Oh, my God. Who knew that that was true? Yeah. But that that's where I started in nutrition and giving, you know, couples, you know, that cohesiveness to stay together. Because oh. that first year is God, I traumatic. wish I would have had you. Oh. <laughs> I'll tell you my story in a minute. But Okay. Wow. Um, and then I became a birth assistant and a labor doula. And then me being a birth assistant led me to deciding to go to midwifery school. Why I began midwifery school was because I wanted people who weren't choosing a home birth to have the same rights and information mm. that you get from a midwifery care practice. It's such a beautifully designed holistic practice that takes care of the whole woman, family, body, all of it. Mm. That that's what I wanted to do. And so now here I am, almost done with midwifery school, very much in my doula practice. I'm straddling two worlds, which are totally different worlds. One's medical, one is not. And I've got to choose where I'm going to land. Wow. And I want to choose that which I am most effective in. So I've been asking my community to inform me what they think and what they see. Um, right now in America, there are not enough midwives of color. So that's probably where I'm going to end up landing. But I cannot see me turning my back on somebody who asked me to support them in a hospital birth that they would like to view as sacred and uninvasive and normal. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to probably do that yeah. too. We'll see. I, ha I have to create a really great team to be able to yes. empower everything. That's that exciting. Isn't that fun? Oh, wow. I feel good about it. What I a feel journey. Good about it. It's been a it's been a long journey. And I have I have to say there were times when I was very discouraged and I and I just thought, you know what, if this doesn't happen now, if this has happened this year, I'm done. But I've had people who supported me, um, like Crimson Midwifery, Crimson Fig, which is Rashad's practice, and Debbie Allen's practice, which is uh, you know, tribe midwifery. And Robin Poole with Push, who just keep inspiring me to keep going yeah, and to not give up, even though life has been happening. Mm. Um, it's doing it for a reason. Mm. I don't feel like anything has been for naught. Mm. So. And isn't it interesting how we put time limits on stuff? Like you, like you just said, yeah. if it doesn't happen this year, I'm done. Like I've done that so many times with certain things as if, as if <laughs> I have this, you know, I can't think of the word I'm looking for. I'm like a measuring stick that's like, no, it's going to happen now. It's right. just like, it's going to it happen. And it doesn't. It doesn't matter when I do it. It just matters that I do it. Yeah. So you're right. You're right. We give up these self-imposed limitations to ourselves. But that's not really it. Because impact yeah. on our journey. I can say this for the same for you because you're just now getting to this place where you're owning this podcast as life, yes. right? But your journey has impacted. Lots of people. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> and continues. And I don't know what it's going to look like. And sometimes right. I get nervous. But can you imagine if you stopped? Yeah, it would stop. It would have been, yeah. It, was, it, it would be would, a bummer. Yeah. It would be the it aborted. Uh, a creative abortion. Yeah, a creative exactly. abortion. Yeah. We don't want this. No. <laughs> so how many birds do you do average like a month? As a client, I only take two a month. Okay. Now, if I'm assisting someone or if I am called into something, if I can do it, I do those. So it looks like, like I know on my Instagram, people are like, oh my gosh, you are, you got like 30 babies. Yeah, a yeah. month. <laughs> I don't. But if someone knows, we do support each other in the community. It's not all very, um, like some people think this very competitive. It's not cutthroat. It's not competitive. We support each other if we can. So if someone calls me and says, Hey, can you sit on a client for me? Or can you back me up for this? Of course, I'm going to do it if I have the free time. Right. So that, that's how it ends up where it looks like I'm doing a lot. I see. But I will only take two clients a month because I don't want to miss clients, which is why I get booked way ahead. But I take birth coaching clients. I can take as many as those. As, as and what does that look like? What is birth coaching? So birth coaching means just you've hired your team and you want a little extra support. For the day of. For the pregnancy or the day of okay. or whatever. Um, so I have clients all over the United States who call me and ask me questions that they just don't feel like they got another answer to, or they want the spiritual sacred side of it. Yeah. Which is my specialty. Yes. Right. So if you want birth as the spiritual or birth as sacred, then you're probably you're looking for me. Yeah. You're looking for Rashad. You're looking for um Lori. There's like there's some people who really believe in that aspect um of it. And and more now, like when I started, there wasn't many people doing that as doulas. Now you can find that in a doula mm. that is really beautiful because it is a beautiful moment that should be honored. Mm. It's a rite of passage. Mm. Um, and I feel that it is one of the missing components to the care of a mama mm. and the care of a birth partner and the care of a family is bringing that element of the sacred back in. Mm. When birth and death were taken out of, taken out of the home, the house, the family life, it became this unknown quantity that's to be feared. Yes. When you bring that element back in. So for me as a birth doula and a death doula, I see the similarities. I see the beautiful synchronicity. When you bring it back into the room, the honoring of life and the understanding of the wisdom brought, being brought in. There's a tribe in Africa where that child that's born has a song created for it. That song, and this is where my tradition mm. of the songs for my family came from. Mm. So my kids each have a song. That song I sing on their birthdays. Oh. And that's their song. And it won't be sung when they pass. It, that song will end when they pass away. And that's how this tribe does. They honor the song. That song is sung at moments of achievement, moments of despair, moments of... of um where they need determination, they need support. It's sung in crucial milestone moments that are rites of passage in their the lives. And then at their deathbed, it's sung for the last time. Mm. It's a beautiful thing. But when you get that, when you get what the life means, 
first of all, several things would be solved. Abuse, molestation, all these major things that impact the lives of a child would be solved because you would never degradate Mm. the magic that's just come through because you understand where it's coming from. And then you understand the honoring of it. And then when they leave, you have nothing but reverence. Mm. So I, I don't know. I, I don't have the answers to it, but I feel that that's a big piece of it. And that's what I bring and what a lot of doulas and midwives are now bringing. It's beautiful. Mm. It's beautiful to witness. Mm. It's important. Oh, so gorgeous. I mean, I just, I wish, well, I'll say it again, just because I, <laughs> I wish I would have had you uh, for, for me just, you know, I didn't know what I was going to need. I had to, I had to really pull teeth just to get my husband to let me have a doula in the room because oh, okay. he just didn't understand. It wasn't like a, he just didn't understand it, but um, I needed so much support afterwards and I didn't have any and I didn't know how to ask for it and I didn't know where to ask for oh, it okay. and I didn't have family and it was just me alone with this newborn bloody nipples because he wasn't latching on. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and, you know, it was, it was terrifying. It was terrifying. And I would have, I would have just gone into debt hiring someone to come every day or whatever mm-hmm. it is, whatever mm-hmm. it looked like, because I just felt so alone. And I know so many women experience that in different yeah. ways. Yeah, it's true. Um, I am very proud to be a part of a practice, a care, a community organization that does such mindful support of a postpartum family. Midwifery care and how most doulas practice is that we are seeing the clients after the baby is born, you know, immediately. So I know that I had a client I had a client and she she was released from the hospital, straightforward, beautiful birth, really awesome. She went home and this was early on in my practice. She told me that the doctor was not going to see her until she was six weeks, which in my I thought was ridiculous. Mm. We now know that anything that can happen is happening in those first six weeks. So the fact that they weren't going to see her. And now, you know, we see that there's a move to change these things. But until they're fully and completely changed, this is the norm. Yeah. Unless you have had a C-section, then you'll be seen at two weeks. Yeah. But then not again until six weeks. Which is also crazy. Which is also crazy. Um, we're looking for those ways that we can be helpful, where we can be support. We are trying to prevent... Um, Damage. You know, I'm looking at a client. I'm looking, I'm doing preventative care. Yeah. I'm looking at something. I'm saying, okay, this could be a problem in two weeks, four weeks, 10 weeks, three months. You know, I want to look and see if I can be a help. Otherwise, my work has not, has not been done. Yeah. You know, so I'm looking to see how I can support the mom in lactation. I've got a lot of resources, you know. I am blessed to know some amazing lactation specialists and amazing people who, you know, they're just, they're committed to 
either helping milk being produced or helping moms um, emotionally or helping moms with the actual latching on. Mm. And um, this is something that we know is an art form and we know can take possibly longer than two days, three days, six weeks. Sometimes I've worked with clients up until two months until they get it, but then they get it. It's an art form for a reason. It takes practice. It is a partnership with you and your baby. And then you have the whole idea of the hormones. You know, everything leaves, drops out, and then a new set comes in. And so you've got that on top of nursing. Hmm. Then you've got relationship issues on top of that. You know, everyone's fatigued and stressed out. People are telling you how to do things, how to how to change the diaper, how to nurse, or you really should wrap the baby this way, yeah. or you really should. You know, it's very hard to listen to your own voice. So we are very clear that it's important to not tell the birth parents or birth families what to do or how to do it, but to instill in them a way for them to listen to their own voice mm. and their own languaging about what works for them. So I always say that my job is to help you find the rhythm and the rhythm of the new baby with your rhythm that's already existing. Mm. So sometimes it's the rhythm of three. Sometimes it's the rhythm of four, Mm. (laughs) including fur babies, you know, because that all interact. I mean, if you have a couple of dogs who think they're alpha and you have a child, there's an issue. Yeah. So just speaking to all of that to help a family thrive I have to say the difference for me through midwifery care and and the medical model is that we want the families to thrive so much so that it shows in our aftercare. Mm. And not saying anything, I have some great friends who are OBGYNs who really love and believe in the practice and who inspire me actually. And we work together to achieve that. But as a whole, the medical monocle just just lets you go. Oh yeah, it's just and then like, you're on your you're own. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> not okay. Yeah. yeah, and it's so lonely. It's lonely <laughs> out there. It's, it, it is. It's very. I mean, I I definitely felt abandoned. You know, and and my my poor husband. We're we're divorced now. We're very amicable, but at the time, his sole focus was like. Fuck, I gotta work. I was exactly. unemployed for two months. I gotta work. I gotta work. I gotta work. And in his mind, it was like, I've got a wife and a child. I've got to work. So he was, we came home from the hospital and he took a job immediately. Immediately. He was yeah. gone 14 hours a day because that's what, and he wasn't trying to be a dick. No, but that's know? what society tells him to do. Right. So as far as society is concerned, he did what he's supposed to do. Yes. Now, who he is as a human being. I'm pretty sure was conflicted. Oh, yeah. Felt awful because what man doesn't want to be with his, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or have a relationship. You don't want to wait till seven years old to forge a relationship because now your kid can do, you know, you want it. I I believe it's very important for fathers, males, birth partners, whatever you want to say, to to get that oxytocin as much as the mom. Mm. It's about the two of you. and. You both deserve it. Mm. It's yours. You know, before anyone else gets it. Yes. <laughs> before yes. anyone says, okay, have you hold your baby? Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My husband's going to no. hold the baby. Yeah. You know, so that you can forge that bond that makes you make those hard choices. Yeah. Um, because otherwise we will listen to 
the the stories and the and the things that society tells us or unfortunately society's winning yeah you know unfortunately it's very rare that you and i love it and i i'm blessed because i tend to have these dads or these birth partners who are very much whatever the mama needs mm. what my job doesn't have has an issue okay that means i got to figure some stuff out i'll stay here for now but i'm looking at the long run here yes so they're already yes looking at what they need to do later um and they're just really clear about being a part of that family life. It's, it's going to change the whole dynamic yeah. of America if we can keep that going. I mean, we're, we're blessed. We're in Los Angeles, right? Yeah. Right. So we're, we are an outlier. We're on the precipice of the United States. So <laughs> yeah. yeah it's know. got a ways to go. It's got a ways I to go. I mean, my thing, and I, I feel like I talk about this probably too much on the show, is... Um, <laughs> You know, I have a son. You have a son. Yeah. Like for me, that's where I can. That's that's where I can make a difference. Exactly. Your upbringing of your son, right? I kind of okay. Listen. Yeah. Let's hear it. <laughs> let's hear. Let's get it. Let's do it. <laughs> I kind of feel something for the woman who is with my son, because my son is so clear on health on spirituality, on communication, on the way he's going to do things that she, basically, I feel like my son's going to bring in Michelle Obama. Like, I just feel like that's, I feel like she's going to be older, first of all. Yes. She's going to be an older woman. And she's going to be somebody who is for the upliftment of humanity. Yes. Like, purposeful in action, intention, and um, duty. Yes. It's just going to have to be because yeah. I'm sure you're, I mean, they just, my son has witnessed the birth of my children, mm. how I chose, why I chose and how I live my life. And he's always one who to this day I can go to if I say, okay, I just need some feedback real quick. And I love that I can do that to my yeah. son, that I can ask him for that because I respect him. Yes. And I can say, I need some feedback. So how am I doing on this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he'll tell me. Yeah. Honestly and completely. And so if he'll tell me, he's going to tell her. Yeah. And I just, I wish her luck. Yeah. I, just, I wish her <laughs> all. You got this girl, whoever you are with my grandbabies. I know, right? <laughs> I'm with you. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I think, yeah. It's true. I, I, I'm, I'm not worried about it, but I do think it's going to be an interesting uh, observing how he makes that selection process, whatever it is. Yeah, right. But he's a real romantic. Is he? I Aww. mean, he, he had this babysitter the other night, this beautiful young woman, and we drove up and she was parked. And I said, I'll be right back out with the pass. And mm-hmm. I said, this guy's so pretty, isn't she? And I don't normally do that, but she just was glowing and her energy was so sweet. And I just commented on it to him. And he said, oh, he said, she sure is. Her boyfriend's a lucky man. Just like that. He's nine. (laughs) Oh, oh no, he's nine? Okay, I'm living for that. He's very romantic. Her boyfriend's a lucky man. Her boyfriend's a lucky man. Not a lucky guy. A lucky man. A lucky man. So he already perceives himself. Yeah. Like as a contemporary. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. 
I love that. He's an old soul. He's catching himself because like, he's surrounded by, you know, the, the culture and just mm-hmm. the world we're in. And we went to see uh, a friend of mine had a book signing at Barnes & Noble. And it was Ooh, nice. St. Patrick's Day. It was wonderful. And they had Irish dancers. These these uh, high school girls came in. And I said, did you enjoy the, the, the show and the signing? And he said, yeah, because there were hot girls. And I said, <laughs> I just kind of gave him a look. And he goes... I get it. He goes, I, I stand corrected. You're right. They were beautiful dancers. Uh, you know, and I'm like, I said, you can say hot girls. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, it's kind of yucky. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to be that guy. That's that his, you know. uh, his peer is showing, huh? Uh, yes. Oh. So he's learning where it feels good for him. Like what, what feels that's right for right. him, you know, and he already, you know, so yeah. Anyway, that's, um, let me check this. Amazing. Cause I, oh my oh. gosh, yeah, it's 1219. Is ah! it really? Oh no. Did you um, have something else you really want to? Let me think. Let me think. Um, I mean, I have a little list of questions I always end with. Okay. Um, I just love you. <laughs> I just love you, you so much. <laughs> I mean, I knew it. I was like, this is going to be an epic conversation that could go on for three hours, but we'll just have to have you back on yeah, the show another again. time. Yeah. So what happens now is I end every interview with three questions. I ask the same three questions and then I do a fun lightning round of just silly questions. Oh, okay. have fun with. Okay. So the first question is, Hayes, what do you think about when you hear the word MILF? Hmm, lovely. <laughs> I just think lovely. Just keep it juicy. Yeah. I love keeping things juicy. I, I feel like life should be juicy. So when I hear MILF, I'm like, oh yeah, that's lovely. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love that. What is something you've changed your mind about recently? Something I've changed my mind about recently. Oh, um, you know what? Actually, about, this is really interesting. Okay. I know it's supposed to be short, but here we go. No, no, take your time. It doesn't have to be short. I've actually changed my, my thoughts on the news and watching the news and hearing because, and I tell you, because I wanted to... I am not the status quo. I am not even in a demographic. The people I hang out with are not either. Mm. So what's happening on the news, in the newspapers, on TV shows, the people that they're speaking about, are they're not reflecting my community. So I want to see what it is. So I've changed my ideas about taking in just a little bit of the commentary. Mm. I'm very selective about where I get it from. So I watch the BBC because mm-hmm. I grew up with that. Yes. <laughs> um, that gives me a very clear, it's not colored by yes. any, uh, nothing. I watch that. And um, every now and then I will watch, I started, I, I would do the first few minutes of The View and the first few minutes of Fox and Friends so I can see the polarizing. Oh, and I will look at, um, what's the Christian broadcast? networks thing i forget but i will look at that because that gives me a demographic that i feel speaks to because what i want to do is be able to empower women throughout america yeah to have the birth that they would desire Mm. and to take control of their bodies and their birth um to have informed consent Mm. and to have a empowered you know uninvasive natural normal labor. Mm. So I need to know what they're talking about. I need to hear what they think. So I've been doing that. 
but I, I can only do I can <laughs> I can only do five minutes of each. Yeah. But that the opening is all I need. Yeah. And then I just let it go. But then I sit there and process it and and then let it go. Yeah. So that it doesn't make my body fall. Yes. Or just crumble in yes. upon itself. Um, so I've changed my mind about the news, the what I used to call the constantly constantly negative news. Mm. I now take as an informative moment mm. in the news. Mm. And then I let it go. Mm. I love that. I know. I was surprised at myself. I love that. Although I do watch CBS News this morning. I love that. CBS This Morning, have you seen that? No, I don't. It comes on CBS. It's, I used to watch it with my mom growing up. And it's like two hours of life in America. It's beautiful. Art, life, politics, everything. But it's a beautiful, well-rounded yes. scope. Yes. So that's I, on Sunday morning. That's on Sunday. Yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. going between that and um, whatever else I put on the play for you know to catch up on. Yes, it's good. That works for me. I'm surprised, but there it is. I love it. My sister is shocked. Is she? She's like, "You're watching what?" <laughs> I said, like, "Watching the news." She's like, "Okay." <laughs> How do you define success? Happiness. Mm. A happiness that is based in joy that's constant. Mm. Yummy. Lightning round of questions. Okay. Ocean or desert? Ocean. Favorite junk food? I don't do junk food too much. You know or what? Or a healthy junk food. Okay, healthy junk food? Yeah. Oh, is that a junk food though? Is I that mean, a mommy like, junk food? If you go to Erewhon or Whole Foods, oh, what do you oh, go oh, for oh, when you're oh, like, oh. I want something sweet? Kale chips. Oh, yum. Which kind? The flavored kind? The, oh, what? It's just, yeah, it's got the uh, nutritional yeast on it. Yes. Oh, those are really good. It's good. Yeah. It makes your teeth look crazy. It makes your teeth look crazy. Good. Yeah. Have you ever made kale chips? Uh, no, because I usually don't have that much time. If I'm yeah. cooking, I'm cooking. True. But They're if, so yummy. Is like, it to, I just get the dino it? kale. So it's those long, thin strips. You cut it. So the dino it, kale is the black kale. I guess it is. It's, it's very, very dark green. Yeah. And it's long, thin. It looks like a long, thin leaf. Well, it is a oh, long yeah, thing. Yeah. Life. I know <laughs> true. Hello. Um, so you cut it. Uh, so you're cutting the spine out. So it's yeah. just the leaf part. Yeah. Olive oil, salt, pepper. If you want, I don't use pepper, but um, 20 minutes at 400. Ridiculous. 20 minutes 400. Yeah. Got it. Next time we talk. Crispy and they're warm out of the. It's heaven. Ooh, warm. 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 I've kale never chips. had a warm. Warm kale crispy okay. kale chips. That could do it. That yeah. could do okay. it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> movies or Broadway show? Broadway show. Daytime sex or nighttime sex? Ooh, sex anytime. Are you kidding? Yes. That, that, we can't, that no. was Suzanne's answer great. too. Oh, it was this Suzanne's answer. Of course sex. it was. All my friends will say the same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sex is the best thing. Sex and sleep. Oh, love it. Sex and sleep. I mean, those are the two best yes. things ever on the planet. <laughs> anytime. <laughs> Cat person or dog person? Doggy. Have you ever worn a unitard? You must have in your dance I did. Days. I think I did. I think I did at Campbell Hall. <laughs> oh, really? Campbell Junior. Not this Campbell Hall oh, okay, in LA. Okay, okay. But at Campbell, wait, did we wear a unitard? I was on a dance drill team. Must have. And we had a Yeah, we had, I, I know I did. I can't say when it was, but I'm sure we were dancing a peaches and herb, shake a groove thing, and a That's unitard. Awesome. Yes. Shake a yes. Yes. <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh, my God. I have, I need to dig it out. I Do have, they have unitards still? Oh, they're back in fashion now. No. Oh, yes. Because of the onesies? Why? 
Oh, you mean like the furry onesies? No, but why are unitards no. back in stock? Oh, they're just the thing. Like people just walk around in them. Yeah, with boots with and big heels belts and, and boots and yeah. <laughs> It's like they're going to the clubs, oh, like no, and they're unitards. Girl, I need you to. I need. <laughs> but m- I mine. need you to take a photo and just send me that the next time you see one. I will. I totally will. But I need to dig out the photo of me in. I think I was fourteen, thirteen or fourteen, in a Smurf blue <laughs> unitard. I mean, long sleeve Smurf blue unitard. <clears throat> okay. In suburbia with like a bunch of kids <laughs> dancing in the mall, in the middle of the mall. Like, what why were you would doing? we? I don't know. I was on a dance troupe, or, you know? <laughs> so we were dancing in this cheesy pop song in the 80s. It was so horrible. And I just, it was the ugliest thing. Your face horrible. right now. It's horrible. It's I guess because your face is really and, and I'm Because I'm wondering, I'm thinking about it going, did we have camel toes or were we just too no. young to have camel toes? Please or did me. I wear a tights underneath it so as not to have they a They had us toe? wear shorts on top of ours. That's maybe what it was. I remember that we had red shorts on top of these horrific. <laughs> I just don't understand. <laughs> Unitards are never okay. Yeah, just, yeah. It's torture. It's torture, but we've all worn one we at some have. time. Yes. Shower or bathtub? Bath. Oh my gosh, I can do three hour baths. Are you mm. kidding? With some nice Epsom salts and some Epsom oils. Salts, oils, good music. Yes. A great book, usually Ananistian or something like that. Yes. And I'm in. Yeah, me too. That's my weekend delight when I don't have my kid. Um, ice cream or chocolate? Ooh, chocolate. What kind of chocolate? Like a really lovely dark chocolate. Yes. That's warmed up because I heat up the dark chocolate bar. And I just take a square, heat it up oh over God. the, uh, put it in a little pan, heat it up a little bit, and then I just lick it up. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's so sexy. That's good. I know. In the bath with the music and a good book. Listen to me. I am a Scorpio Equals for orgasm. Exactly. <laughs> Anytime you can have orgasm, do. Yes. <laughs> Multiple. Uh, what is your, oh no, I'm sorry. I skipped one. On a scale of one to 10, how good are you at ping pong? Ooh, I don't think I've ever played. <laughs> <laughs> what is your biggest pet peeve? I don't think I've thought about it. Okay. Pet peeves are things that annoy you, right? Yeah. Like I'll tell you mine. Mine is when I'm getting off an elevator mm-hmm. and people just plow right in. Oh, okay. like, you no, know, you have to you wait, wait for-, for people to get out. There's just a, there's an etiquette to elevator going. I think one of my biggest pet peeves is when people are being so right they don't listen. Mm. Yeah, not listening. You're being so judgmental. If you let's see, if you could push a button mm-hmm. and it would create ten years of world peace, but it would also place a hundred year ban on all beauty products, would you push it? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. Where's that button? I'll push it right now. Superpower choice. Invisibility, ability to fly, or super strength? Fly. So the last question is, uh, what was the name of your first pet? CG. What was the name of the street that you grew up on? Let's see. The first street I can remember. Just pick one. Uh, Oakwood. So what was the name of the pet? CG. No, actually it was Jimna. Jimna. Your porn name is Jimna <laughs> Oakwood. Woohoo. Jimna Oakwood. Yeah. Jimna. She is, she's not from here. She's not from around here. She wouldn't be from around here. No. No. 
She's very able-bodied, though. Yeah. <laughs> She's flexible, as it were. I love it. Oh, my God. Hayes, I love you so much. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. This was so You're much You're a treasure. Fun. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Join me next week for a fresh episode of MILF Podcast. See you next time. Bye.